something very different next week on the fifth Sunday of months when uh, we have five Sundays we want to introduce something uh, in the middle of the worship service we would invite those of you who have a burden to just stand where you are to share with us maybe a prayer concern a need a thanksgiving so we'll be passing the microphone uh, this coming Sunday so be prepared for that as we uh, do something different uh, we would like to call that body life where you actually get to know some people within the church uh, you will at least know who they are you will know a little bit about uh, the needs they have and maybe as we pray for different people in the months later uh, the same person may stand up and say wow you remember you prayed for for us for me and uh, God answered it this way okay so uh, let's I'm I'm looking forward to that so this coming Sunday will be the first Sunday we'll be trying that because this coming Sunday is the fifth Sunday of January uh, let's look at the Lord in prayer as we begin father we we are amazed by the fact that Lord you have called us out of darkness to become children of light uh, to share in your goodness to walk in the light and so father we we are just amazed at how good you have been to us and so father this morning we pray that your light might shine upon us help us lord to understand what it is that father you want us to do as we live on this earth we pray this in jesus precious name amen now we are coming back to the book of ephesians if you have your bibles please turn with me to ephesians chapter 5 remember that we started that towards the end of last year and we basically said that the book can be um, well I guess uh, we have some problem with the with the cable uh, I hope you won't be too distracted by the lines anyway uh, the three sections sit is the first section walk is the second section and warfare is the third, the third section uh, sitting in the wealth that we have walking in the light walking in love walking in truth walking in wisdom and the last section is the smallest chapter 6 warfare so let's look to Ephesians uh, chapter, six, uh, chapter 5 verse 8 to 14 let's read it it says for you were once darkness but now you are light in the Lord live as children of light for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness righteousness and truth and find out what pleases the Lord have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness but rather expose them for it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret but everything exposed by the light becomes visible for it is light that makes everything visible this is why it is said wake up O sleeper rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you you know walking as a Christian is a tough exercise have you seen toddlers trying to walk for the first time they see adults walking around so quickly they can run they get to the food so fast they don't want to crawl they want to run like us 
And so what did they do? Have you seen them trying very hard? It's not easy. They fall, they trip, they get up, they try again. That's, that's the picture of the Christian life, especially when you first come to know Christ. Walking as a Christian is not easy. We have many false starts, and we get up, we try, we walk. That's what lo the Lord wants us to do. This is a long section in the book of Ephesians. How do we walk as believers? We are told, therefore, walk, live as children of light. Actually, literally, the word live as children of light, the word live is the word walk in the Greek. Walk as children of light. Paul said that we are to live as children of light. question this morning is, how's your walk today? How's your walk the Lord yesterday? How would you want your walk to be tomorrow? That's what we're going to be dealing with. Paul says, let us walk in the light, living in the light. Two things, live in the light and then expose the deeds of darkness. These are the two main points from the passage we have just read. Paul said that we are to live as children of light. Paul didn't say, he didn't say we are living in darkness. He didn't say we are living in the light. He said we are darkness. We were darkness and now we are light. See, the contrast is graphic. You are light. You were darkness. That's who we are because of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ, I am the light of the world. Matthew 5, 14. Now, because I am the light of the world, I have made you light of the world. And shine where you are. Make your walk worthy of being children of light. That's basically the theme of the whole book of 1 John, walking in fellowship with God. And the only way we can walk in fellowship with God is because God is light. And if we want to walk with Him, we want to have a close relationship with Him, we have to walk in the light. You ever wonder why sometimes you talk to Christians and they say, my Christian life sucks. Or... I'm really not living well. Could it be that you're not living, walking with the Father that we are supposed to? By saying this, that we have to live and walk in the light. And Jesus said, you are the light of the world. They are saying that people cannot be confused when they look at us. If we are people of the light, they ought to see it. But if people are confused by the way we live, they aren't sure whether we are believers or not, probably something is wrong with the way we are living. Because if we are walking as we should, as light, people will not confuse us with darkness. But if people have a big question mark when they look at our lives, then something is wrong, probably is on your end, on my end. Now, besides this passage, there are many other passages that actually draws out this contrast between light and darkness. Christians are children, sons and daughters of light. We are not sons and daughters of darkness. Because of time, I'll just say it to you. 
2 Corinthians 6.14 Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. We know that. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common or what fellowship can light have with darkness? We, light and darkness cannot fellowship with one another. 1 Thessalonians 5.5 5, You are all sons of the light and sons of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. 1 Peter 2.9 but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. We know that so well. Paul tells us here to be who we are. And who are we? We are sons and daughters of light. Be that. Sort of like every morning, when you wake up, you expect the sun to shine. And every morning when we wake up as believers, the Lord expects us to shine. You know, I'm sure you already know that goodness, the passage we just read, three qualities are highlighted. How do we walk in the light? He tells us, let your goodness shine. Let your righteousness shine out. Let your truth go forth. Those are the fruit of light. They consist of at least three, and he mentions them. See, we know them so well. What is goodness? It's such a general word. It encompasses so many things. Sort of like the English word goodness. When you say somebody is good, what are you really saying? It could be many things. Oh, that person is a good person. That person is a good student. They mean different things. One is good in exams, then... Get up what is his character. Goodness, a very general word, but that describes the Christian. He is good. And righteousness, we talk about the righteousness of Jesus Christ, that when he died, he gave us his righteousness. Basically, righteousness means living and pursuing a right relationship with God. That's the most basic definition. And in 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, God made Jesus who had no sin to be sin for us so that in Jesus we might become the righteousness of God. He has given us His righteousness. And then truth, we all know what is truth. We're going to talk about it a little bit later on. But that, but that doesn't mean that we just sit back. Yeah, we should live as Christians. We are given God's righteousness we don't deserve it, but we have it. And so, does it mean that we just sit back and coast and relax? I have a ticket to heaven. doesn't matter how I live now. Does that mean that? No. Because in this passage, Paul is telling us that we're not just to enjoy our right to heaven, but we have to find out. We have to find out what pleases the Lord. It is not for us. We are not to just sit back and relax. Oh, I'm going to heaven. It doesn't matter what I do. But Paul says, find out what pleases the Lord. It's interesting how it's translated in different passages, in different translations. The latest SE means second edition of the New Living Translation says, carefully determine. But the first translation of NLT says, try to find out. Try. How hard are you trying? How hard am I trying? That's a command. Uh, the message. Figure out what will please Christ. And then adds that 
and do it because that's the emphasis. Don't just find out, but do something about what you have already found out. That's the Greek word that we get a translation from. The word basically talks about the examination of metals to find out the content, how much gold, how, much, how strong this metal is. It's talking about experimentation. And so, Paul is saying, find out, carefully determine what is God's will for your life. Wouldn't it be great if every day, everywhere, every Christian would ask the Lord, Lord, what is your will for me today? When was the last time you asked God that question? You know, I was sitting with a, a young adult two weeks ago because he's struggling with this question. What is God's will for his life? He believed God's will for his life is to go to full-time, to apply to a Christian organization to be a full-time worker. But he's facing all kinds of challenges. He's facing challenges from home. Parents went to thrill. And they are members, outstanding members of a church. But the parents weren't sure. And the reason? Well, you know, you are in full-time ministry. You're going to suffer. And I don't want my son to suffer. So he's asking that question. Lord, what is your will for me? Not just today. Lord, what is your will for my life? I wish every day we were asked that question because that what is what Paul is telling us. Every day, everywhere, every believer of the Lord Jesus Christ, every child, ask that question. Lord, what is your will for me today, tomorrow, next week? And it's, it's in the present tense. So I pray that if you forget everything I say to you today, that you will go home and Ask yourself this question. Today in the present tense, Lord, I really want to be sure so that at the end of my life, I know, at least on that day, I asked that question and I got an answer from you and I'm enjoying myself. This is something that only you can do. I can't do it for you. I can't ask that question for you. Only you can do it. You find out what pleases the Lord in your life. You begin to walk in the light. You begin to obey the word. No one can do that for you. Now, that's the first action we are to take, to walk in the light, to shine, so to speak. Let Christ out. He is goodness. He is righteousness. He is truth. Now, I want to pause here for a moment uh, to talk about, to mention two areas that actually Paul talks about in the earlier part of the book, the end of chapter 4. Basically, he talks about truth. He talks about stealing, theft. See, we, we are in sort of like a Christian subculture here in America. It's accepted that a lot of people go to church on Sunday. But is there a lot of truth? Is there a lot of theft amongst Christians? See, earlier Paul mentioned in 4.28, he says, He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with his own hands that he may have something to share with those in need. Now there he talks about theft. Now sons of light don't steal. Only sons of darkness steal. 
and they are so shameful that they want to hide in the darkness. It is a wrong thing to do. Do you steal? Do you cheat? Do you plagiarize? Now that's a new word. You know plagiarizing is stealing? That is to say that you're given an assignment. You didn't do your homework, you're doing we the whole night. Wow, last one hour. Just go to the internet, cut and paste. That's so easy. Somebody else's work, all right? And then you put your name there and you submit it as your... That is stealing. Do we, as Christians, do that? Now, I know that we have a lot of students here. Do you give credit where credit is due? That this is really not your work. Quote, and you put the person's name. Well, let's go a bit further. What about downloading songs you didn't pay for? Maybe it's free. They say it's free. That's fine. But when it's not free, and you download something, that is stealing. Yeah, I know that goes on. I know I have two daughters. They talk about it, and they're listening to music. And I would ask, did you pay for this? See, as a pastor, let me tell you this. I pay for every music that I listen to. And aren't you glad you are in the iTunes era? You don't have to buy the whole CD. You just buy that song for 99 cents. But in the past, if you only like one song in the whole CD, and you like it so much, you have no choice. You pay 10 bucks, 12 bucks for a whole CD. See, I know, I mean, I hear the word sharing. Oh, somebody paid for it, and then it's shared with a whole youth group, a whole college group. You didn't pay for it. That is stealing. And downloading movies? Somebody worked very hard. Yeah, they make big bucks. But they shouldn't be making big bucks. But that's not the point. They work hard. They work for years. And then they have a movie. And somebody cuts it, burn it, and distribute it. That is stealing. And I pray that today, if you, read, if you, you, you say, Pastor, I... I I want I am a I am a child of light. If you are a child of light, go back and burn all your CDs that you burn. Break them, throw them away, you know. Do we copy in exams? I mean, I'm I'm shocked. I'm shocked that when it comes to examinations, we can cheat. I mean, how on earth do you cheat in exams and get away with it? Now we have all these high-tech tools. We can. And Christians do it. Are you shocked? Wow. Electronic books. You buy them online and then you share it with... That person didn't buy it. You bought it. You know, brothers and sisters, those of you who know what I'm talking about, I really ask that you pray. While I call myself a Christian, I, I should be, I ought to be a child of the light. And then you look at your actions. Does it match? A Christian student ought to be different from another student. 
you know, a Christian worker ought to be different from another worker. That is, if I say I work so many hours, I would work so many hours. Or a Christian parent ought to be different from another parent. And so on and so on and so on. And Paul draws it out for us. And this is basically a summary of the, of the passage we just read. You, it can be clearer. On one side, this is what we do, what we used to be. We were darkness. And now this is who we are. We are light. And then he describes it. One is fruitful. Your life is fruitful. The other one is fruitless. And so on. Expose it. Make it visible. Find out what pleases the Lord. And there are many such passages. And the passage that I read very quickly, 2 Corinthians 6.14, I've summarized it for you in this chart. Look at it. It's very graphic. It's very wickedness, righteousness, darkness, light. Belial, that is another name of Satan or a wicked person. And Christ, temple of idols and temple of God. One is unclean, one is sons and daughters. Hopefully they are clean. So the difference is so great. There is no gray as far as this is concerned. You are either light or you are darkness. You know, I read, I read a story that is from an unknown source. It probably is fictional, but I think it teaches a wonderful story. You know, there was two brothers in a village and they made their living by stealing by stealing sheep and like so often eventually they were caught and you know what the villagers did instead of throw them throwing them in jail or, or doing something drastic to them they decided they will brand the word sheep teeth on the forehead st and after they have done that, one brother was so ashamed of himself that he left that village and he never came home again. The other brother became so remorseful. How would you like to be walking around with ST on your head? And everybody knows sheep teeth. But he decided, it's really wrong of me. And he wanted to turn over a new leaf. He wanted to make restitution. And so whenever somebody was sick, he would go and visit. But people were rejecting him. People were suspicious of him. But over a period of time, he did that on and on. And when there was work to be done, he would volunteer. Uh, he would be there whenever there's a need in the village. And over a period of time, people began to see that he really has changed. People begin to respect him. A long time later, somebody came into that village and was sitting at a cafe. And he saw this former sheep thief, now an old man sitting there. And he could see the tattoo on his head. And, so, and he could see people coming up to him, talking to him, and even little children. Uh, they, they, they enjoy talking to him. And so out of curiosity, he couldn't stand it. What is ST? And so he asked the cafe owner, what does ST stand for? And the cafe owner said, now that's a long time ago. I really cannot remember what ST is. But probably, ST means saint. 
Maybe you expected it. But you know that story brings out something in life. You know, all of us are like that. All of us are like that thief. We may not be stealing sheep, but we obviously have been stealing. We are robbers. You know, we rob God of His glory. We don't, we don't look to Him as Creator, that He is Father. We look to everyone else for resources but to Him. In that sense, we are stealing His glory. What rightfully belongs to Him? On Sunday morning, we sing all this lovely song. I hope we mean it. Whenever we sing it, we say it, but we don't mean it, we are stealing glory from Him. And aren't we, STs, sheep, teeth? See, the first section of the passage we read, Paul says, live as children of light, shine. The second section, second thing he asks us to do, not as popular, is the negative side of it. Don't just shine. Expose the deeds of darkness. Now that's the part many of us have problems with. He says, expose them, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Why? Because these are shameful things. How do you expose something that is shameful? You see somebody doing something wrong, especially if the person is a Christian. The person is cheating, lying, or stealing, or whatever, disobedient to parents, being a bad worker, clock in 10 hours, but actually only work 6. When you see a worker doing that, how do you expose? That's the part that we don't, we don't like. It's less popular. But Paul says this is something that we as children of light must do. You know, I believe most of us don't like that because most of us are peace-loving, non-confrontational. But we have to do it. How do we do it? I, I would suggest two ways, the indirect approach and the direct approach. Uh, indirect is not really indirect, but less direct. Okay? Let me explain to you what I mean. Just shine your light. Just shine. Darkness is expelled. Isn't that true? Once you turn on the light, darkness is expelled. Paul says in verse 13, sorry, I shouldn't, in verse 13 of the passage, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible. Be who we are. We don't have to say anything. As a Christian, you live the way you live and it becomes obvious to people who is right. When you clock in on time, when you don't fudge on what you do, you don't steal. And those who are stealing, those who are lying, when they stand next to you, they are found out without you saying a single word. As we live our lives, we ought to con convict people by the way, simply by the way we live. You know, I resigned from the government. I worked for the Singapore government for like four and a half years. A colleague of mine resigned a couple of months before me, went into full-time ministry. And I resigned and went into full-time ministry. And I, I've never forgotten, one of my co-workers said this. I said it for the, both of us. All the good people are leaving, implying all the bad people are left behind. I don't think she meant that. But 
it was it was it was a, a compliment that I've never forgotten. It would be I guess I would be heartbroken if if she would think that, oh good riddance, I'm so glad you are leaving, you know. You know some of us, some of our colleagues when they resign, you celebrate. Do you? But are there people who are so good as a Christian? You wish they would stay longer and shine a little bit longer. And so Paul is saying, shine. That's an indirect approach. And last week, I talked a little bit about friendship evangelism. Simply being a friend. By the way, we live as a Christian. We convict people. And you remember I shared about this Indian, a Hindu? It took him seven years. Seven years of meeting with a Christian before he actually confessed Christ. He was observing this Christian for seven years. That's the indirect approach. As far as I know, Abu didn't go right up to him and say, now here's the five spiritual laws or four spiritual laws, you know. But the four spiritual law was actually lived out in his life. So when was the last time that your fellow classmate or your fellow colleague came up to you and said, I'm so impressed by the Spirit of God in your life that I'm attracted to your faith. I want the same Jesus that is in you. When was the last time someone said that of you, of your Christianity? That's the indirect approach. And then there's the direct approach, which means preach, which is the end of the passage. Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you, which is taken from Isaiah and Malachi. They were preaching to sinners, and they're telling sinners, wake up, sleepers. Why? Judgment time is coming. The preaching of the truth brings conviction. And the prophet of the Old Testament came and they preached. Their job was to wake up a nation that is asleep. You know, some people said this. A lot of Christians in the churches in America are like Rip Van Winkle, asleep. I know some of us are literally asleep. Sometimes, on some Sundays. And you need a preacher to come and actually wake you up, you know. You know, we often hear this. I hear this so often. You know, it's so dull, Pastor, what you said. And I basically, I'm just quoting from Scripture. If the Scripture is dull, could, two possibilities, right? The words are dull. Maybe it's in a, in a translation you don't understand. They use big words like justification. Oh, what's that, you know? But probably it could be the other way, that you are asleep. You are not awake. And therefore, psh, it went right past you. You didn't hear it. It's dull. Maybe you are asleep. The world is dead to God and they need to be awakened. You know, in the history of US, if you Google, I dare you Google, that th two great awakenings in America, no other nation can boast that. Two great awakenings. One in the 18th century, one is in the 19th century. The first one 
the key person is Jonathan Edwards. Jonathan Edwards. See, we talk about him, but how much do you know about Jonathan Edwards? He's not a flamboyant preacher. In fact, some people say he was a Tao preacher and God used him. I'm really encouraged by Jonathan Edwards. And what happened was when he preached, he was under the conviction of the Spirit. And when he preached, God used him and started the first great awakening. People like John Wesley, George Whitfield, they were affected after just reading his sermons. And in the first great awakening, the church came alive all over the U.S. It's across denominational line. It's not like it's only happening to the Baptists, but it was over all the other denominations. And let me just give you a quotation. Our young people, this was what he was talking, he was talking to the young people. He was referring to the youth. The youth were very much addicted to night walking. I have no idea what is night walking. I googled it, I can't find the answer. What is night walking? Uh, walking in the night? No, I don't think that's what they mean, okay? Night walking and frequenting the tavern, that we know. Uh, they call them clubbing nowadays. And loot practices. It was their manner very frequently to get together in conventions of both sexes for myth, happy hour, and jollity, happy hour which they call frolics, and they would often spend the greater part of the night in them, whole night. In what? Clubbing, drinking, gambling, partying, orgies? It just sounds like America today. People going wild. Does that describe our youth today? I felt that it's so modern. And that's the culture that Jonathan Edwards found himself in. And God brought revival. God used Edwards to wake up the church. Another quotation, a young woman said to have questionable morals, or maybe some of us, wow, I'm, I'm really bad. I messed up, Pastor. Who's going to listen to me? God can. God can use anybody. Anyone who will repent and turn back, God can use. And this woman has questionable morals. What happened? She was awakened. It says that she was so convicted of her evil ways that inspired young people to follow her example of repentance. Conversions multiplied. According to Edwards, during the spring and summer of 1735, the town seemed to be full of the presence of God. It was never so full of love, nor so full of joy. That is preaching that is actually telling people directly you need to repent you need to awaken you are asleep there is judgment fire waiting all of us see we don't like we, we don't like to talk about hell and uh, if you google you'll find that a very popular speaker his last name is bell does it ring a bell and he said Probably hell is a fictitious. And you find hell in the Bible. And Jesus talks about hell. And you throw hell out, you have to throw Jesus out as well. He's a very popular speaker. But a lot of people think like him. I don't preach about hell. But you know what? How do we wake people up? By speaking what is in the Bible. See, when we preach against what is wrong by exposing it, 
we are not popular, we, we will have a backlash. That's why many of us don't want to do that. We would rather, Pastor, I just want to shine. Be who I am. I'm a light, shine. But Paul says, expose means direct action. And sometimes we need to do that and there is a price to pay. Jesus did it. Spoke directly. Spoke the truth in love. And what did they do to him? They crucified him. The apostles, most of them, almost every single one of them were killed. Jonathan Edwards, you know what happened to Jonathan Edwards? After the great revival, he was fired from his church. Wow. German pastor, Bonhoeffer, very famous martyr in the Nazi era, hung by uh, Hitler just before World War II was over. He said this, if you stand up, you will be targeted. Slavery. Do we speak out? Oh, there's no slavery. There is slavery right here in America. Teenagers, children are enslaved. And sometimes we are very quiet about it. Uh, do we enslave workers? Slavery. We, we talk about it, but do we do anything about it? We just celebrated Dr. King's birthday. See, after the fact, he's a hero. But when it happened, what happened? He got shot, probably because he spoke up. There is a price to be paid. And I know a lot of people say, oh yes, he has a dream. But if I ask you, do you know what is his dream? Probably many of us don't know what the dream is. Oh yeah, he had a dream. But a dream is very costly. That America will be colorblind. That's basically his dream. Slavery. Abortion. Do you know that this is the, almost the 40th anniversary? It's actually the 39th anniversary of Roe v. Wade abortion. You know, someone wrote a book just recently, How to Kill 11 Million People. I was intrigued with the title, and I read a little bit of the foreword. Basically, it talks about the Nazi Germany, they actually killed 11, it's not just 6 million Jews, they killed many other people. How they managed to do that over a period of time and generally nobody said anything. But do you know that has been going on in America? Do you know how many babies have been murdered since 1973? What's your figure? Do you know how many abortions there have been in America? Now, the estimate, you know, it's very hard to estimate. Why? Because it's privacy laws. Everything is hush-hush. Why hush-hush? If it's something that is good, why privacy? That's the thing about it. If it is sinful, everybody, people want it kept private. A rough estimate. If 3,000 babies are aborted every day, and think about it, 39 years, 364 days a year, just do a rough calculation. I did it yesterday. About 42 million. Hey, Hitler killed 11 million. Compared to 42, America killed more babies than Hitler ever did in his lifetime. Now you think, Pastor, oh, that is too much, too big a figure. But let me quote to you from the Alan Goodmarker 
Institute, and this is a pro-abortion group. They claim that more than 50 million abortions have been conducted in the U.S. since Roe v. Wade. They gave even a, high, a higher figure, 50 million. That's a lot of people. And when was the last time you actually said something and made noise? Especially in a Chinese church? See, we are just peace-loving people. Chinese don't like to rock the boat. I know because I'm a Chinese. When was the last time you actually saw a Chinese standing outside an uh, abortion clinic or a volunteer in a crisis pregnancy center? Very few. We are the people who mind our business. Let me suggest to you, you know, just really Terry Elkhorn, I believe that is his name. You know, he paid a high price. Why? No, Terry. Randy Elkhorn. He has written like 40 books. He's a, he was a pastor, I believe in California. And he was doing the legal thing. He was standing outside. He was standing many times outside abortion clinics on private property. But do you know what happens? We have a politically correct police force and they have very well connected people in law enforcement. They were all rounded up. You can go on, read, read it. And they were arrested. They were doing legal stuff. And then they were thrown into jail and he was fined such a humongous amount that he had to quit his church because he didn't want to get his church involved in a lawsuit. So much so that the, 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 the settlement, the judge, the judge, the judge, judgment was so, such a huge amount, there's no way that he can pay the punishment. And so what did he do? He quit, he resigned from his job and took on other jobs, paying minimum wage because he didn't want any of his salary to end up in the abortion business. All his books, 40 books, the royalties go to some other places. He, he doesn't take a single cent. Now that is, the, that is the price. Sometimes we have to pay. And I'm just giving you an extreme example. Randy Alcorn. I hope you'll read some of his books and then homosexuality. When was the last time you hear this? I was just told that Brother George said that to the college students some time ago in the Sunday school. But when was the last time you heard it mentioned? It's a sin. It's a sin through the Bible. But not according to our president of the United States. Raleigh, do you know, is ranked number three in our nation according to the Raleigh newspaper, News and Observers. It says that we are number three in our nation for gay parents raising kids. This is such a wonderful climate. Raleigh is so accepting that people are flocking. Adults who are homosexuals are flocking to Raleigh and Cary to raise their kids. That was in last year's paper, January 2011. If you like a copy, I can give it to you. Isaiah 5.20 says, Woe to those who call evil good 
and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. And the in thing is homosexuality is okay. In fact, if the actor or the actress is homosexual or the comedy is about homosexuality, wow, it garnered a higher rating. It's terrible. For thousands of years, homosexuality has always been frowned upon. It's only in America. We are so educated that it is okay to be a homosexual. So we have to expose deeds of darkness. It's not easy because every time we do that, we have to pay a price. You willing to go to jail? You willing to be laughed at? I want to show you this is the, not Super Bowl, it actually happened between the, the, during the game, the halftime between the Broncos and the Patriots recently. And this was the advertisement that they played. Cost a lot of money. And there'll be people who say, wow, why should you use the money to feed people? Why waste it on a, a commercial? Somebody had to pay for the commercial, but somebody was willing. Why? To shine, to expose what needs to be exposed. I hope you can hear it. The world, the whole world, everyone, anyone. That's a lot of people. That he gave his one and only son. His only son. That whoever believes in him will not perish. But have eternal life. <sighs> I believe it's only 30 seconds. It costs a lot of money. And there are all kinds of reactions, even among Christians. And when we shine, when we expose the darkness, we will get all kinds of reactions. Are we prepared? Now, I'm sure by now you have seen the pictures, pictures of the capsized Italian liner. Maybe the cruise industry is going downhill, I don't know. But have you read 4,000 passengers went on that ship? It's bigger than the Titanic. Uh, it had more crew members. But so far, we know 11 passengers have died and 20 are still missing. And I read about the captain. I feel bad for him. One day, he was the captain, respected. He was in the throne room. Everybody has to listen to him. And the next day, he sits in a, a, a jailhouse. Can you imagine? You, you can't... The, 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 the stark contrast is so great, right? Darkness and light. That's the contrast that Paul was drawing. What troubles me when I read that was I see the captain in me. I see Captain Francisco in me. Why? Because I want to be the captain of my life. I want to do what I want. I want to do what, whatever I want, whenever I want it. I don't want an authority to tell me I can't sail there. I'm the captain. I will sail it. And I know that as captain of my life, I'm not going to do a good job. I'm going to have a disaster. Sort of like the Italian liner. We have left God's path to follow our own, Isaiah says. Does that describe you? Application. Think about one action 
you can take as a child of light. What can you do this year that will make a difference, that will make you more like who you are? You know, I suggested last week, very simple. All of us have this. Some of us have it on the iPad. Read it. Read the Bible. Finish it this year. We have a celebration on 31st December 2012. I'm going to ask you on that day, I'm going to ask, how many of us have read through the Bible this year? And I'm going to be one of those. That's a challenge for me as well. Second, one action to avoid. What is something that I have to give up? Something that is holding me on. Something bad that I've been doing that really isn't glorious. Uh, maybe you can't do the first because you're spending too much time watching some program. Maybe the thing to avoid is, this year I'm not going to watch Hawaii Five O. Wow, I know some of you are laughing. Maybe that's what you need to do because you need the time. Something to avoid. Maybe a hobby that is taking all your time. Maybe. What will that be? I don't know. You have to make that decision. Let's stand together for the closing song. Father, we thank you this morning. We thank you, Father, that we have this wonderful calling. That, Father, you have called each one of us a child of light. And that that is our nature and you have invested so much in us and so father i pray that for this year as we begin it afresh help us lord to live as children of light to do the things we need to do and to expose what is wrong in in our own lives and in the lives of people around us help us do it lovingly we pray this in jesus name amen
Christ, He lives, and He lives in our hearts. And so, Father, we pray that we would allow Him to take full control, Lord, of our thoughts, of our actions, of our feelings, and help us, Lord, this day to be truly children of light as a church. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Please be seated. After silent meditation, we're dismissed. Elder Dawn, must we move the chairs? So, brothers, those of you who are strong, please help us move the chairs to the side so that we can prepare the, the court for basketball on Tuesday night. Okay? Thank you.
town. 